1: So uh, I got home today, uh, Wednesday, recording, um, got home from work and realized all the all the things that I have to do that I've been pushing off uh, for three weeks because of the barrage of games. I've just, I've kept having to choose soccer or, you know, the day-to-day stuff that pops up in your life um, that you have to take care of. And I've been choosing soccer every single time because there has been no time to not like if i didn't choose it then article we would have things not written on the site or we would have not done episodes of the show etc so today was the first day of getting towards chipping away at some of that stuff so i came home and i looked around my yard and i said all right i guess this is first um because the the yard was basically like no one it it was like it looked like the house had been abandoned is what it looked like um so and i went yard and i went up towards the front like right along the street there's like a sawgrass bush also don't ever have sawgrass it's terrible um but anyway saw there's like a a weed had taken root in the within the sawgrass and had had enough time to actually thicken its uh its stalk into almost like a tree strength it, like it was no longer like an easily breakable weed um and i was like man if i try and spray this thing the sawgrass will probably die and it probably will take forever to kill this thing so i'm gonna have to get in there and chop it out myself so I why not just inside. remove the sawgrass
0: Which you hate anyway. uh,
1: I can't. It's not mine to remove. Um, Ah. I have to – I mean, yeah. So there's kind of a deal in place here where I'm doing yard work in exchange for a lesser rent. Um, But I can't remove the sawgrass, which I would love to do. I would love to have no yard. No one should have a yard, by the way. That's one of my – that's one of my strong opinions. That's kind of my
0: situation. Yards are are terrible
1: and they're bad for the environment. Don't have a yard. Just put rocks in your yard. Um, or something else no, to don't put rocks local, in
0: your... local plants, local shrubbery.
1: No, right, and really, you should be care
2: letting it. your yard, yard go that. to seed. No, you don't. You should if you want to be truly environmentally conscious, you should just let it. Go I don't to want to be truly environmentally
1: concerned. conscious. I just don't want to have to water or mow anything. Um, but so I get into the sawgrass, I push it all aside. I've got small cuts on my arms from this because it's sawgrass. The name is real. Um, and I get to this tree thing, and I start trying to pull on it, and that doesn't work. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to go cut cut this thing. So I go inside. And I get machete. It's a pretty long machete. It has a black blade. Um, it's like as long as a human arm. It's not a short one. It's a, it's a substantial is it, machete. Is it actually Jason Levian's machete? No, it's not. This is, uh, it's not mine either. So it's not a different Jason's. Um, but anyway, so I, I walk out and I've got my earbuds in. I'm listening to music. Um, and I, uh, I wander out and I, I, you know, at this point I've been doing like an hour of yard work, it's hot out, and I'm just sort of, I've got the tunnel vision of just, I'm going to do the yard work, and I don't really notice what else is going on in the world. Um, So I'm in there, and I'm hacking away at this thing, and I get the sense that somebody has like, walked by, and is, is near, so I start looking around, and there's like a, some sort of solicitor or canvasser walking through the neighborhood by herself, and she just sees me like, wailing away. With uh, a machete, uh, because they, of course this thing takes like a good 20 chops before I actually, and get the thing and, get it out of there. Um, and so like, I look up and I like stand up at this point. I'm just a guy holding a like arm length machete drenched in sweat, l- listening to music somehow. And, uh, she's just like, she's like still kind of glancing over her shoulder and, uh. Hurriedly walking to the next house. So, so I Jason, guess out, of I,
0: curiosity, out of curiosity, what yep. music does one listen to when plausibly committing murder in the name of yard work?
1: Uh, I am pretty sure the timing of this queued up with uh, Dr. Octagon's song, I- I'm Destructive. Um, <laughs> and I'm not making that up. A bit on uh, the nose, I'm, I'm actually but... cycling through um, what I was listening to during that period of time, and it definitely... It was in there. If it wasn't on while she was standing there, it was certainly on while I was doing yard work. All right, well, I um, can, can I jump in with a also blade related uh, recent story. Sure, let's talk about cutting stuff.
2: Well, thank, thankfully, this this story involves nobody getting cut, including my I, precious. No flesh. one.
1: No one got cut by the machete. Just me and the sawgrass.
2: Okay. <laughs> uh, so on Monday, I had to work on July third. Uh, and so I decided to treat myself to uh, a breakfast sandwich. So I'm walking to the Jewish deli. That's a couple of blocks from uh, my work. And I see a guy with a knife trying to jimmy his way into a, a door that's in some sort of... It's not a storefront, but it's just some sort of building on my way to uh, the Jewish deli. And he's just he's got like a... It's a short-ish blade. It's probably like a steak knife length. Okay, got And dagger? he's trying... To, basically. Yeah. And he's trying to jimmy the door open with it. He's an older man wearing a, a blue t-shirt and shorts. I'm like, okay, that's very weird. That is not uh, who I
0: initially pictured when you started the story.
2: No. So I go. I make my order at the Jewish deli. I get my sandwich. It's uh, gravlax and egg and Havarti dill on an everything bagel. It was delicious. And then I start walking back. And the guy is still trying to jimmy the door open. So now I'm looking up, what is the non-emergency police phone number? I have that at the ready. And then right as I'm about to walk by him, he turns away from the door and just starts to walk towards me down the street. And that's when I notice, he just has the knife like at his side, like still out and holding Mm -hmm. it. Uh, and that's what I noticed, that in addition to his shorts and t-shirt, he is all, his uh, belt is unbuckled and his shoes are untied. And getting a better look at him, he looks like a drunk, crazy person. So I, try, I have to skirt as far away around him as possible, fearing for my my uh, my weak, weak flesh. No, my flesh. Yeah. Oh. I'd have been more concerned about the sandwich. I would have given him the sandwich if he had accosted me, but... No way. Luckily, he just wandered <laughs> off down the... Uh, down this down the street and the person behind me also gave him wide berth. So, birth. so did you notice you whether had, he
0: had earbuds in listening to uh Dr. Octagon?
2: I, I he did not have earbuds in but he may have mentally been listening to Dr. Octagon. He probably was. <laughs> but then I called the police non-emergency line on him because I was actually
1: kind of scared by him.
0: That's that seems reasonable. Kind of a a sad way to going I feel to like the show but that's if you're, also if appropriate you're
1: in that situation and you're trying to break into a house you're supposed to break into with a dagger of some kind and you encountered somebody you would be like look i know what it looks like but this is my house my keys are stuck inside and this is literally all i have so i'm trying to get in because i don't want to wait six hours for a locksmith or however long it would be is uh, six hours yeah. is a particularly uh personal amount of time yes well that's <laughs> the wait that i'm used to when i call needed services when my uh vehicle or domicile won't work is it's going to be six hours they're going to tell you one but it'll be six and locksmiths are we also crazy expensive they know and they have teased? you over
0: maryland they will ring you for i've never actually set.
1: had i've never actually had to call one before uh, but i have I've my god we teased, he
0: teased jason stories our last
2: den- week but uh it's coming out on your patreon feed this week and i will not stop talking until i tell our listeners that <laughs>
0: Anyway, my dog locked us in the backyard once. (laughs) We had to call a locksmith. It was bad. Good dog. We no longer have a a, uh, deadbolt that allows him to do that because...
1: It's probably a good idea. Yeah.
0: Anyway, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. They're Ben Bromley (laughs) and Jason Anderson and knives.
2: Or maybe bladed instruments.
0: I feel like you're just getting too far in the weeds on the knives thing. Do you want me to hold a Swiss Army knife for the show? I think a machete is technically a large knife. I have it. Well, if we've got if we've got, <laughs> if we've got a Swiss Army knife. If yep. we've got weeds, right. Jason
2: can hack his way out of
0: them. Or into them. Or into <laughs> yeah, them. Apparently. Or into them. Anyway, uh, if we seem to be um, distracted and not super eager to talk about DC United's uh, most recent week. That's because they played three games, and we're all a little bit fried, and all three games were losses, and so nobody really wants to particularly talk about them, but we will. We will talk about them, nevertheless. We will also Uh talk about the Gold Cup with our good friend Donald Wine II. Uh, You know him from Black and Red United. He's also the co-managing editor of Stars and Stripes FC. SB Nation's U.S. men's and women's national team blog. So we will get to that in the second segment. Before we do anything, though, Jason Anderson, what are you drinking?
1: Uh, I had enough time while I was eating dinner to actually make something rather than just hurriedly throw something in a glass. Um, I wanted something refreshing. I didn't re- I'd had gin a couple like, days ago. I felt like going in a different direction. So I made myself a Mexican mule with um, Technico Blanco tequila. And Gosling is ginger beer and limes from Limes. Excellent. I'm drinking a fantastic
0: uh, summer ale from the the great state of Maryland, I suppose. Jason will be happy. And it's also a beer we've had on this show many, many times. Dead Rise from Flying Dog. It is a good beer. It is smothered in Old Bay and it works. It's a beer for the summer. And I... I I couldn't, find her. I, couldn't find her. I couldn't find it last summer, and I was really disappointed. So I was thrilled when I saw it in, in my local grocery store last weekend. I said, I will have that. Thank you. <laughs> and I am having that. Thank you. Ben, what are you having?
2: DC United deserved neither my good alcohol nor my mental effort to put together a fancy drink. So they get a bourbon and Coke.
0: What kind of bourbon?
2: Uh, benchmark, because... I alternate between buying Benchmark and Evan Williams Green. Benchmark is made by the folks who also make uh, Buffalo Trace. It's just their slightly less aged version of Buffalo Trace. And uh the Virginia ABC stores alternate between um having Benchmark on sale and Evan Williams Green on sale. So whichever one is on sale that month is the one I buy. Nice.
0: Well, there was soccer. I think well we would we would be fine ending ending the segment there but we have some time to fill before we we call Donald so so let's do it dc united uh played 3 games since last we spoke and last we recorded all of them losses on the road by a combined 8 goals to 3 not great bob uh this week saw them you know drop two results in the league get knocked out of the US Open Cup it was generally double plus ungood um let's start with the most recent one a 4th of july visit to frisco texas where they took an unlikely early lead through ian harks in his first mls goal uh congrats to to the rookie on that eventually though the team fell four to two uh generally just a case of preventable mistakes in this one and lapses in concentration and as as Ben Olsen fumed after the game um a lot of naivete on this on this team not holding on to the ball when they they should and instead making ill-advised counters Dallas was was pretty consistently getting numbers back behind the ball quickly and DC United sometimes would recognize that and sometimes wouldn't Jason I I, I don't even know where to to jump off on, on this game other than the highest cliff possible.
1: Uh, yeah, it's one of those games where like, there's a lot right about it. I was thinking about this last night and it's a little bit like if someone came to you and said, build, build a house, um, that's a, a completely livable house that doesn't have any glaring errors. And you went in and you built the best house you could. And everything was really good, except you left, like, you left literally no front door on the hinges. And so someone could just walk in and steal all your possessions. Um, That's been kind of DC's M.O. lately. Uh, Against Dallas, all these goals were just, like, they were mistakes. And they weren't even, like, second-level or third-level mistakes. They were, like, basic mistakes. Um, The third goal, especially, you know, Travis War letting – a no angle shot hit him in the shin and bounce in like a like something you'd see in the NHL rather than a soccer goal um um, it's all just it's it's the kind of mistakes that that can gut a fan base and gut a team as far as their emotional standing the good news is that these are also easy to fix because it's just basic stuff it's not like oh we need to adapt an entire new system and way of playing or we need to adopt uh, an entire new roster or anything like that. I mean, yes, the roster needs improvements and needs changes, uh, of course. Um, but these are mistakes that can happen to anyone, but also it, are easy to fix. Um, so the way to turn this performance against Dallas from something that was very frustrating into something that actually would have been a surprisingly good result is just, you know, like Olsen said, uh, make make some plays. And these weren't even like... Difficult plays to make. You know, Wara can make that save in his sleep. Just about. Um, he just didn't tonight or last night. Um, the goal that the the first Dallas goal, the the equalizer. Um, Steve Birnbaum has had a problem all year marking people on set pieces, but we know from his past that he's actually got it in him to be very good at that. Um, he's just not able to do it right now. He's just not at that level that he of sharp that level of sharpness where that's a thing that he's doing successfully these days. Um, and on the other, it's not just defense, it's offense. You know, Nagel has a, a wide open look to nod in uh, a goal soon after Brown had made it 4-2. And if D.C. goes two goals in le- less than 10 minutes, the way that game was going, maybe things change. 4-3 is, uh, you know, all of a sudden Dallas is on their heels a little bit. Not expe- You know, you go up 4-1, you don't expect to have to deal with anything at that point. Um, and it's, a, you know, it's a half empty net and Nagel just doesn't get the execution right it wasn't that he got bumped as the ball arrived he just headed the ball too far down it was just simple mechanics um so as irritating as it has been lately the fact is that there are just some small fixes and go precision goes and, and precision in certain moments and all of a sudden these performances overall as a as a, a whole really aren't that bad it's just the team keeps shooting themselves in the foot and that's why they're losing games
0: Yeah, one one thing you alluded to, the team actually arguably played better in this one. They they got the two goals, they should have had at least one more, if not not two more. Uh Lucho Acosta saved twice in pretty quick succession by Jesse Gonzalez right. laid on um against a a goalkeeper who's in worse form. One of those probably goes in. Um one was a curler and then one was a, a close range volley off mm-hmm. the uh, ensuing corner kick. It's just sometimes those breaks don't go for you and ben Olson said it after the game you know bounces don't go your way calls don't go your way when you're a last place team so you have to make, to the to the to the extent they are making yeah. their own luck right now and, they're making their own bad luck and, um
1: right and and to to because make your own luck is one of those things where people are thinking like oh, you know it's it's one of those things you tell yourselves but what, what Olsen really means is you have to play well enough that, that your bad breaks don't actually cost you games. So Gonzalez making two big saves on Acosta isn't the end all be all or Nagel missing a big chance isn't, isn't why you're, you're losing the game. If you go to Dallas and get two goals on the road and create those chances as well, you should be able to get something out of that game. Um, Dallas is yeah. a great team, but if if you get two goals on the board on the road anywhere in MLS, you should have something to show for it at the end.
2: Yeah, I think this uh, international break comes at a perfect time for Steve Birnbaum because he needs to sort his head out. Like, the it's it's all there. Like, he's still winning aerial duels. He's still uh, usually in the right enough places. It's just it, – it, it's not – Totally clicking for him to make all of those defensive plays that he was uh, last year and in, in his rookie season. So hopefully over this international break he can uh, maybe go to some sort of uh, retreat, go to some sort of like isolation chamber,
1: and just I think. What he did was go home. Remember what it is to. Yeah, that sounds
2: good too. Maybe he should go to the uh, Don Draper yoga retreat uh, from <laughs> Mad Men or well, something. This and just me, it's
0: something that or um, are, are you're at the, t- at, the t- at the Total Soccer Show have have talked about with, I think generally in, in regards to, to Michael Bradley, when a player takes on more organizational role or a, a more essentially thought-heavy role mm-hmm. where they have to think for more than just themselves, that the rest of their play can actually t- take a step back as a result of that huh? because they're forced to think about other things and that makes what was automatic more of right. a um, conscious adds, process. And this is something many... that, that if you ever take a teaching class, they talk about when you're learning a new skill in anything, your other skills, which were like breathing before, suddenly become really onerous or can become really onerous. And I think, I don't know if that's what's happening with, with Birnbaum now that he has the armband and that he's the principal organizer on the back line, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't discount that either so i I don't know if this is something he just has to grow into or if it's a change that needs to be made um i I think we've seen that season is is getting away getting away from dc united in a big way we there were positives in this dallas game uh jason you pointed out this is the second straight game where dc united had 80 percent passing accuracy or better which (sighs) Mm -hmm. i think happened zero times before these last two games they're getting chances. Yeah, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's, it's
1: these are the first two times the uh, the this Montreal game and then this week. Um, and 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 some of that is down to the state of the game with Dallas in the lead. Um, and in the heat, the game was a little slower than normal. And Dallas in the lead, um, they were willing to drop off. They were defending from below their side of the midfield circle at, if I'm not mistaken, when it was three one, not even at four one. Um whereas you know with Montreal they were up two nothing early so they're they're more than willing to sit back um and just defend but still um for United you know we're we're talking about a bad team right now so we need to focus on uh crawling before walking uh so to speak and there were times earlier this year where even in those situations and with those game states they would not have had that level of passing accuracy um they wouldn't have had the interest in holding the ball enough and the patience to um, keep it. They would have just, I mean, I, you know, I, I can't remember who sent me the tweet during the game to the uh, site account, but one thing I said was that one of the reasons Acosta is not, because in the early part of this game, he was not playing very well. He was, um, but he was trying to force a lot of things. And that kind of, you know, Olsen talked about the whole team forcing things. Um, and if you've got that complaint in there while you're still able to keep the ball, you're not far at that point from keeping the ball just long enough, that one more pass or those two more passes, where that instinct to force things goes away a little bit and you start to actually open things up for yourself or you don't have to force it. It's just there. Um, I know at this stage of the season, we're talking about, you know, 19 games in and DC has, what, 10 or 11 losses. Um, people might not want to hear that it's it's some some certain parts of the team that are bad are actually close to not being so bad. but I actually think they are moving in that direction. They started really with um, the game against Orlando, uh, LA against LA. Those were games where they started to show some signs of actually being clo- – they're getting closer to being effective with the ball um, on a regular basis. They're close, but close still feels like, you know, it could be – it might as well be next year um, yeah. because yeah, – They're running out of time. Patience is – Well, they're running out of time and fans are – Of a hole
0: right now yeah. for – for moral victories, like you said last week. Mm-hmm. And we're, is... we're actually
1: getting some help during this game with uh, Orlando is losing to Toronto. Montreal's losing new uh, Houston. Um, the Red Bulls scored in the 90th minute to uh, it looks like to beat new England all in the last couple minutes. So um, that might be helpful for TC that the gap isn't worse, but the gap is already big enough.
0: So Ben Olsen said there would be pieces coming in. Um, I think, coming in during this uh, summer transfer window. And I think we saw in in this game, but even more in the the Montreal loss to nothing up in Montreal last weekend. I think we saw where one of those glaring holes is. And uh, we, we learned today that Perry Kitchen will definitely not be filling that hole in defensive midfield because hmm. he signed with Randers in the Danish league. Uh, again, in the Montreal game, with they didn't terrible they didn't, ger- terrible. They didn't ger- terrible they didn't generate enough chances in that game but their passing was better they didn't have as many stupid turnovers but there were two moments when they just vacated central midfield and let blerham Jamiley run unimpeded at the defense and both times uh a goal was scored by montreal Jamiley ended up with a goal and an assist on that one and it watching Marcelo and watching Ian Harks both rush in from the side at the end of both of those plays. Ben was just a little bit infuriating, very frustrating, and makes me pine for somebody who will just own that own zone 14 on defense.
2: Yeah, and I mean, we've all talked about this throughout the season on the podcast and on the site. Uh, A defensive midfielder that's even... MLS average starting quality improves this team because, uh, Marcelo Sarvas I, at Father Time has finally come to claim Marcelo Sarvas and Jared Jeffrey. If he's your MLS starter at defensive midfield, you're 2017 DC United. You're not a, you're probably one of the worst teams in the league. And if this team had a Perry kitchen or a. I mean, even Rob Vincent might, I, I bet with Rob Vincent, we have at least three more points on the board, uh, throughout this, the course of the season so far. And he's not even a good defensive midfielder either. Um, but somebody who can come in, uh, give DC United an Ozzy Alonso, uh, or somebody in that caliber, and this team could, would be competing for a, a playoff spot right now just with this roster and, it is the heart of this team it's what makes everything click and you can tell that when they don't have somebody who can fill that role uh, all the
1: pieces just fall apart and they there was a during during the pregame show there was a um a brief video montage where Dave Johnson and Devin McTavish talked about this and it was just I, I couldn't i was in the kitchen and i i could see the tv and not quite hear exactly what they were saying but just seeing the replay of those goals uh, back to back to back to back. All these goals this season that have come from a, a, just a gaping hole where there should be midfielders. Um, it was just it really drove the point home. Um, and that's part of the reason why DC is playing four two three one now instead of four one four one is just to get an extra body in there and and make this happen and less often. But it's still happening. Yeah. It's just you know the hope is that it won't happen so much. But you know the hope and the actuality are two different things.
0: Yeah, and its I don't know that there's a player on the roster right now who can who can fix this. If you put Rob Vincent in there, he's probably no. better on the ball, but he's not a ball winner. The last game we're going to talk about tonight was actually the first game D.C. United played last week, and it was actually last week on June 28th, not sometime last year or two years ago, like it kind of feels like right now, but D.C. United knocked out of the U.S. Open Cup by the New England Revolution up in Boston. Not in Foxborough, not in Rhode Island, where they've played games in the past. Actually, in Boston, across the river from Harvard. Uh, 2-1 to in that one, Jose Ortiz gave United an early lead off of a diving header. Ian Harks with the assist, which was nice to see. Uh, That ended up, though, being United's only shot on goal. Diego Fagundes scored a nice free kick from a very good position at the end of the first half, and then United gave up the game winner very early in the second half. Both goals kind of emblematic of D.C. United's struggles on defense this year. A set-piece goal. It wasn't a, a header or a missed mark. It was a direct-to-goal free kick, but those are still set-pieces in their own way. And then uh, Sean Franklin coming back into the team and getting worked on the second goal before Travis Wara made a bit of a hash of the the save.
2: It's, to quote, to quote our, to paraphrase our friends on the vocal minority, Sean Franklin is not a center back.
1: Yeah. it And the thing is that the free kick goal came off of a foul that he gave away um, yeah. as well. And it, while I did think at the time that it was a soft foul, um, it was also a position in the field where you can't really foul. Um, you, can't, you can't really put yourself in a position where if a guy falls down, you're going to get called. Um It was too big of a risk what he was trying to do there, and uh, it was also too big of a risk on the second goal, where um, there was a bouncing ball coming to the box, and he stepped very aggressively towards it, and Brian Wright, the forward making his, if I'm not mistaken, his professional debut, I don't think he's played on loan in the USL, just wisely sort of stepped aside and let his body obscure where the ball was, and Franklin continued to step forward and just sort of spun away and and Franklin was just standing in an empty space while the ball was going past him Um, is sort of a judo move um, that sent Franklin uh, used his own momentum against him. And Franklin was completely out of position while Wright just spun onto the ball and, and smashed it uh, past Bora. And that was that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The, I understand the idea with Franklin being out for so long to give him a, a start in a position where he's not going to have to run all that much. Um but like Ben said, uh the center back experiment has not worked this season for Sean Franklin at all. Um and we're far enough in and I he's I feel like enough. we should we shouldn't be surprised that it didn't work on you know, this was kind of tossing him in and, and giving him setting him up him up to fail because it's a position he didn't do well at before and then he's been out for a while. And then he comes in alongside Robinson, who if I'm not mistaken, he didn't partner at any point in the preseason or in any regular season games. Um against a striker that DC United has no game tape on unless they scouted him at the University of Vermont where he was last year. Um it's it's not a good scenario to step in for him in any from any of those angles, and it you know, now United's out of the open cup, so that's just great.
0: Hey, that means they can focus all their attention on the league. Which, oh, never mind. <laughs> so they have a, a two-week break now with the Gold Cup upon Thank us. God, um, their next game is July nineteenth, which I think is a midweek game.
1: Yeah, it's a Wednesday.
0: Wednesday night yeah, game. Yeah, because the story, DCU of course, after as guard. soon as
1: they come back, they're back with a game, and then another game in three days. Of course. Yeah,
0: naturally, this is really just a two-week. Uh, break in the middle of a million games in half a million days um, they're 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 doing two a days Jurgen Klinsmann would be very proud of this schedule I think anyway DCU after dark that game is out in Seattle 10 30 p.m. kickoff in it here in a couple of weeks um, We'll we'll I guess try to figure some things out during the break and hope that DC United also figures some things out during the break um, and we're going to take a shorter break not two weeks we'll be back before two weeks we'll be back in fact right after you hear some ad copy with donald wine to talk about the u.s men's national team and this is probably the first time in literally years maybe in the history of this podcast that i'm more excited to talk about the u.s men's national team than i am dc united and that's saying something because this is a b-team tournament we're going to talk about so with all that said Stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me.
2: Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is our goats hostile?
0: Welcome back to Filibuster. This being an odd numbered year, uh, there's a gold cup this year. And the U.S. men's national team kick off their campaign to unseat Mexico as CONCACAF champs uh, this Saturday against Panama in Nashville. And our good buddy Donald Wine II is here to talk about it. You love him. We love him. The camera loves him. That's for sure. (laughs) And he's here to, to talk some national team with us. Donald, welcome back to the show, man.
3: Uh, it's always good to be back, and uh, I mean, the the camera just seems to find me because I'm always doing something in the front row. I'm not just like, <laughs> it's, this, it's usually not this pretty face that you see on TV, it's the back of my head, so that's why I have it shaved, <laughs> so that it's nice and gleamy for the cameras this weekend.
0: Have you ever thought about painting a face on the back of your head just so that there is a face to show?
3: That might be the creepiest thing in the history of the world <laughs> if that <happened.
2: laughs> So, <foul. laughs> i don't know i think you should just own it just turn into it you should paint adam's I, face on the back of your head ooh, that would be that would be
0: something all right now now we are getting into creepy territory yeah see and i'm gonna blow you up a little bit donald we were talking about knives earlier in the show and i yeah. know you have your own knife story to tell
3: so last week uh this time last week or i guess it was last monday it's so about a week and a half ago um I was prepping tacos for myself before jumping on a podcast um with uh some guys up in New England and was chopping onions and decided to chop my thumb off a little bit. But uh thumb tacos. It's, it's the tacos were great. Um <laughs> so it was worth it. <laughs> and uh <laughs> but uh my thumb is okay now. It's it's almost back to normal. I just I used to have a like a whole I've been through a whole roll of like a, athletic tape nice in The last 10 days to keep it together um and now it is starting to heal on its own so it's good because i'm going to a wedding tomorrow and uh i can't have a big gauzy thumb for the pictures so
2: are we sure you're not just trying to slowly remove your fingerprints so you can become an international
3: man of mystery well if that was the case i wouldn't tell you
2: oh
0: geez <laughs> don't you know anything <laughs> oh,
3: sorry Spies don't admit they're spies. They're just, they just spy.
2: <laughs> so I mentioned
0: this is, a, this is a B-team, a JV edition of the Gold Cup. Bruce Arena's roster, I think, um, falls into that category, or at least meets that description where it is. Donald, what are your thoughts on the roster? A lot of um, experimental pieces in there, and a lot of people trying to make their case to, to be on the roster next year for the, the real tournament.
3: Yeah, well, before I do that, you know, you guys usually have a segment called "What are you drinking?" Oh shoot, you guys- I- yeah, Adam, barely- I
1: have a I, newborn. You- I am forgetting <laughs> things.
3: So no, no, I want to thank you. You also forgot a knife
1: you know. story, Adam. Yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> while well, you know, I, my, my my thumb can still hold beer, so I'm holding a uh, Atlas Rowdy Rye Classic. Oh, that's uh, a good one. Um, brewery. So um, I, I I used to have a ton of this stuff. Um yesterday we had a crawfish boil so my friends helped me drink a lot of it thank you guys um nice. and uh, so now I have a little bit left so that is what I'm drinking to answer your question um I think that this is a good lineup because Bruce Arena had said before the Gold Cup that he was going to leave a lot of his European regulars off the team because it's the last chance they really have to have an off season before the World Cup and I think that was a good idea um obviously a few of those guys are on the 40-man roster, so they can be called in after the group stage. But for the most part, these are players that are uh, is very MLS heavy. Um, I, I mean, even today, um, you know, Chris Pontius, our old boy, um, got called up uh, to replace Kenny Saif, um, who actually it was disappointing. He, you know, I thought he played very well against Ghana, and I was very looking forward much forward to seeing him uh, how he played during the Gold Cup. So it was kind of a uh, uh, a bummer that he had to drop through to injury, but. Having Chris Ponte on a team, I think, is great. I think it's a great replacement, and obviously that's, our, that's my boy. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing him uh, shine during the, World, or during the Gold Cup.
2: So, Donald, uh, we all saw that Brad Guzan started and played the entire game against Ghana, much to the chagrin of at least many a D.C. United fan who would have liked Belhamid to at least get a little bit of time. Do you think there's any chance that uh, Hamid gets in, maybe not against Panama, but against uh, uh, Martinique or
3: against Nicaragua? Or is it this going to be the Brad Guzan show? So I, I think, let's be clear, I think this is the Brad Guzan show. Do I think Bill Hamid will get uh, a little cameo? I think so. Um, and I think the best chance is against Nicaragua. Um, I think what Bruce wants to do is solidify our spot in the next round first. We, you know, we don't want to slip. He doesn't want to slip up and he doesn't want to put out, a, you know, the backups of this team until we're surely in. Um, and I think he's seeing, I, th- you know, judging from a lot of the videos that we're seeing on, you know, on social media from the team, they're highlighting both, you know, Bill Hamid and Sean Johnson quite a bit during this, during this camp. So I think what's great about this is Bill is getting his shot. He's getting a chance for, to look, to get Bruce to look at him and, I think there will be an opportunity. I think Nicaragua is the best chance. Martinique is probably the weakest opponent. Well, there's no probably about it. They are the weakest opponent. But I think the opportunity to just kind of blow that out of the water and solidify first and second with a whole huge goal differential is too much to pass up. So I think you'll see uh, Kuzan in goal for the, at least the first two matches. And then hopefully you'll get to see Bill start against Nicaragua and, and hopefully play all 90 there.
2: Yeah. And I mean, uh, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, obviously Bruce doesn't know which goalkeeper on his roster is the best, but we can let him – we can give him a pass for uh, sticking with Brad Gazan this
3: time. Right. I mean, I'm not Bruce Arena because if I were Bruce, Bill would be starting. Um, (laughs) But if if I were coached, then – I think people would probably be a little more shaky about our chances in the gold cup. <laughs> so maybe i let Bruce do his thing and, and I, su- I support him in that.
2: So my other question is, uh, I know we all dislike him in the league, but I was actually pleasantly surprised at uh, Dom Dwyer's performance uh, in the friendly against Ghana. Do you think he's solidified his spot as the, as one of the uh, starting strikers for this gold
3: cup? I think so. Uh, I thought he had a phenomenal game against Ghana uh and I'm one of those guys I'm not you know I actually really like him. I think he's a good player. Um and I think this is one of those like moments where he came out he said if I'm going to do anything we've been waiting they we waited we a long time to see him debut and that is a hell of a debut to score 19 minutes with an emphatic goal and then the the backflip celebration. Uh that's the swagger that he that he brings to the table and and I think Part of that, like, that's what endears you to fans a little bit. So, for the, if people were seeing Dom Dwyer on the international stage for the first time, that is a hell of a showing. And I think that is probably why you will see him start against Panama. Um, you know, I think he's earned it. I think he, uh, of the three, um, I would probably trust him, uh, up front more. He's able to play by himself, uh, up front, which is a big key in this, uh, the lineup that Bruce Arena has been trying out lately. So, I think that's why he's the number one guy.
1: Uh, Donald, I guess when I'm looking at the roster, um, what comes to mind for me is some of the guys that have flown under the radar a little bit getting called in. Um, one, of the, one of the players I was really happy to get uh, to see included, um, even though Jorge Viafania has kind of locked down left back, um, Justin Morrow has been the best left back in MLS for like three years in a row, and he finally gets uh, a chance to do something. I mean, he might not displace Viafania, but considering – we're only a few weeks away or a few weeks removed from uh DeMarcus Beasley getting called in because of a lack of trust in the, all the other left backs available. Um what are what are your thoughts on Moro? I I know I'm excited to see him play, but I I want to know if I'm, you know, out on this branch by myself
3: or not. No, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. I I think him on the left um is a very intriguing uh dynamic to a team. Um also on the right, you have Eric Lehigh, who a lot of people have thought should have been in the first team plans yeah. long for, ago for yeah, for a long time um, for years <laughs> um, we wanted to see him featured more and so that's what this goal cup is about for a lot of these players to either either it's their first opportunity or it's an opportunity that they haven't received in a long time but it's a chance to make an impression on bruce arena and really on fans like the reason why these guys are so clamored is because a lot of fans like hey give this, give this guy a shot. And now they're going to get that shot. So will they take advantage of it? Will Bruce give them the opportunities? Um, are they earning it in practice? These are all questions that we'll probably find out really starting on Saturday. Um, and, and just to kind of see who among this lineup, Bruce trusts, because mm-hmm. I think when you see that happen, that means that, you know, we'll, we'll see them beyond the group stage, assuming we get first or second um, in advance and, Those are the guys you really start to think about in the fringe uh, of, uh, you know, when he's calling up players for World Cup qualifiers and eventually the World Cup down the line. So uh, this is a big opportunity for Justin Morrow to show what he can do. And I think he has the opportunity to really make a name for himself because he's one of those guys, as you said, I I wouldn't even say has been flown under the radar. He just hasn't been on the radar. And when his name was probably a shock to a lot of people when it was appeared on that 23-man roster. So this is a good shot for him.
1: Uh, going another way, there's a, there's another player that when I look at this roster, I, I feel like it's another guy who's probably looking at – because Morrow is 29. This is realistically his one shot at this whole thing. Um, it might be a last chance for Joe Corona. And when you look through the, the roster here, you've got so many central midfielders that he's got to compete with. Um, Kellen Acosta getting, um, has lodged himself, I feel like, as a clear starter from now on. Um, you've got McCarty, you've got Rodon, Bedoya, um, Kellen Rowe uh, can play all over the place, but one of the places he can play is central midfield. Um, what do you think Corona's chances are of actually getting with all those com- candidates for time? Is he going to actually be a factor in this tournament, or is he just sort of along for the ride?
3: Uh, honestly, I think the midfield is has so many elements to it, um, all the players. And there's a lot of players that I think uh, have long since past- – I mean, remember Joe Corona was one of those young guys that when he mm-hmm. was – three, four years ago, he was being called up by Klinsman all the time. Yeah. He, may not have, he may not have played all the time, but it, you know he got called up in midfield and at striker. Um, so I think it's almost like a lot of guys – it's not anything that he has done. It's that other players are doing to surpass them. So I – I kind of think he's along for the ride. I mean, I, I'd love to be surprised and see him on mm-hmm. the field. But, you know, I think Roldan's going to get some time. Acosta, as you said, is 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 the man um, yeah. for this midfield. Dax McCarty as well. Um, they're, they're probably going to be the two main starters at central uh, mid. Uh, and then when you got like Roe, who's you can go from, you know, one side to the other. Ariola can go from one side to the other. Saif had that opportunity uh, before yeah. he got injured. Um, so maybe – And now Pontius is in the in the mix, so I think Joe Corona will will find it hard to get on the field during this Gold Cup, at least during the group stage. Uh, It it may take you know it may take an injury for him to actually see the field. And uh, but having said that, I think he is one of those guys that hopefully is learning through practice and saying because he's still young, where he can still compete for the next cycle. And I think he needs to get in that mindset that it may not be right now, but his time can come later on.
1: Let me. um... I guess I'll put you on the spot now that we've we've gotten into so many different names on the roster. Um, the Panama game obviously is the biggest game of the of the, fir- the of the group stage because, with all due respect, I mean Martinique is mostly calling up a bunch of guys that play in the Martinique league, mm-hmm. um, and Nicaragua is kind of in the same shoes. Um, whereas Panama is a team in the hexagonal that has given the U.S. trouble in the past. Um, what's the team? What's the eleven that you want to see? Uh, lining up for that game, which is basically a question that also means what do you think the best 11 in this roster is right now?
3: Uh, That's a great question, and I will answer it in the way that I think is the best 11, keeping in mind that I'm going to say some names that Bruce Arena probably will not play on Saturday. Mm -hmm. We'll start with goal. Bill Hamid is the best goalkeeper on planet (laughs) earth uh, and should start, but He's not yes. going to, but this is my best 11, not Bruce's. Right. Bruce gets to make his on Saturday. Um, so I think you got Bilb in the back. Um, I really liked Beisler, um, and um, who started next to him? Hedges. I really like that pairing on mm-hmm. Saturday. I think that will continue. On the right, I'd like to see Lehigh. On the left, I'd like to see um, uh, Morrow. In the middle, Kellen Acosta, Dax McCarty, solid. Uh, and... In a twist, I'd want to see Roldan on the left um, because okay. I think um, – I'm sorry, on the right because he can play a little bit on the wing. And I think mm-hmm. his added element of creativity um, and also just possession um, and work rate I think is something that uh, we would need. On the left, um, who started on the left on Saturday? I think that was – uh who's that?
0: Was it Kellen Rowe? Was he or on the left or the on-
3: right? Yeah, I think he started on the right. Ariola started on the left. Um yeah. there you go. and I think that is that's fine. I think Ariola is it was he didn't really factor much into the game, but I think he did pretty well. Um at least
2: we're keeping bedoy
3: off the field. Oh uh, Bedoy is now at my best eleven. And then up top you have uh, up top you have uh Dwyer. Um I think he earned it. Um and I think he he's the one that I trust of the three to score goals uh when the ball comes to him. Uh, I, is that 11? Did I do 11? That's 10. That's 10. Think, oh.
0: You
3: went with a four-four-one.
0: I went with a 4-4-1. Yeah. I know the U.S. is going to be favored in every game, but I don't think they need to handicap themselves. No, quite no, that no.
3: I, I think, honestly, I think Swagadelo, um, what will, will bring him on, um, I think him running around will give everybody fits. Um, and he just has a knack for, I mean, even when he was on the national team scene a, a few years ago, he just had that knack to just do something that made you, just made you drop your jaw. And I think he still has that part left, and I think that is what's going to really terrorize defenses um, during the group stage. So swag up top with Dwyer.
0: I think it's going to be hard and, to keep Kellen Rowe off the field in this one.
3: I agree. Uh, either Either agree. on the outside
0: or stepping into that number 10 role that that Joe Corona played very differ very differently from the way you normally think of a number ten mm-hmm. uh, against Ghana, but I think Kellen Rowe is gonna find his way into this Panama game at some point, even if it's not as a starter. But yeah. I think there's a good chance he starts this game.
3: I mean, I think he, I think he plays. Um, I, I honestly think he'll that Bruce will start him. Um, I think Omar Gonzalez will see the field if we get a lead. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, even Villafania, or, you know, if it's if Villafania starting, Morrow comes off the bench to spell him. Um, I think those kind of guys are going to be what you see if we have a lead because, you know, uh, he trusts them to hold the fort while still sending players forward and not necessarily parking the bus. So, uh, yeah, those are all like, I mean, we have some guys where you're like, they're most likely going to play. It's just a matter of whether they're super sub style or if they're going to actually start.
2: And just to make everyone feel old, real quick, Agadello played for, made his debut for the USMNT in 2010, and he's only 24 now.
0: <laughs> Thanks for that, Ben. Great. Appreciate You're it. All <laughs> You're all
3: welcome. Yeah. We're all ancient and close to death. When Social Security come, like I get that right soon. <laughs> ben, Actually.
0: <you> know, <laughs> so. I I'm not that old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I always apply for it. <laughs> I mean, so, another name I you know. mentioned yeah, was I mean. uh, Christian Roldan, who mm-hmm. who's, at least our, our friends up in Seattle have talked about as the U.S. Central midfielder of the future for, for a little while now. And now he's starting to get some national hype, especially with his place on this roster. How much time do you think he gets in Central midfield, though? Because Kellen Acosta is the, you know, now essentially the starter for the full national team when everyone is available. He's... He may not have a lock hold on it, but he's got a good grip on that starting spot next to Michael Bradley. And Dax McCarty seems to be the, the consensus pick to anchor the midfield in this. So does Rodon factor into the central midfield? Or like you said, does he need to move out to the right if he wants to get on the field?
3: I think moving out to the right is his best chance of getting on the field in the best situation, like against Panama or maybe in a knockout stage. Um, I, I also put him in the camp of Bill Hamid where maybe against Nicaragua, against Martinique, we see him play a lot more to see him get his opportunity. Um, but I think that, uh, uh, it's going to be hard for him to supplant Kellen Acosta because that dude is on fire, uh, and will literally, uh, like you said, he's, if he's not the starter for, um, for the main national team, for the A-team, then he will be very soon. Uh, because it's basically, whether they bring in Jones or if they start him. So uh, I think Roldan has his opportunities. It's just a matter of where uh, Arena sees him. And I think he'll see him out on the wing a lot more than you'll see him in the middle.
0: So zooming out a little bit, I'm going to admit that, that I don't love the JV version of the Gold Cup. Uh, I, I, it's a continental championship that is nobody's, at least the big countries are not bringing their, their best players. And I think that that actually cheapens the, the tournament in years when everyone does bring their, their top, their top guys. So I wouldn't mind seeing this go to a quadrennial tournament and calls for that have been around for years. Rumors of that have been around almost as long with reports now that the, Combined North and South America Copa America could be making an encore after a very successful tournament. Was that just last summer? It was last summer. <laughs> oh my gosh! So no, many that was things are 17, happening.
2: Seventeen thousand years it's like ago. This
3: time last year, yeah.
0: So, do you think that those those wishes could come true, where we see the Gold Cup get essentially on the same calendar as the the main Copa America in South America, where it's the year after a World Cup, and then the year after that is the combined Copa America with North and, South America, North and South America to compete against the Euro Championships. And then this third year is for Confederations Cup and, and World Cup qualifying. And then the World Cup is at the end of it. Or do you think we're just going to have a Gold Cup every other year until Oblivion?
3: I think so. They've talked about doing, you know, Europe is going to their League of Nations starting 2019. Uh, CONCACAF has talked about doing a similar thing. If they do that, then here's how I think the, the scenario is going to work out. The Copa America, um, they're having one in 2019, and the 2020 version that, we're, that is rumored to be once again in the United States, is, not, is going to be where they are moving to that line every four years, that every basically align themselves with the euros and the Olympics. And I think what that means is that leaves the Gold Cup the year after the World Cup, basically the same year as the Women's World Cup, that leaves the Gold Cup to be center stage in July. Uh, and I think that's what should happen. And it should be every four years. Um, so the cycle would be World Cup, Gold Cup, Copa America, and then the Confederations Cup really actually might go away with the with the advance to the 48. But what would be in, in that place of that would be the team – uh the confederation tournament that they're putting together for the last two slots of the world cup and that obviously would be about a similar time frame as the confederations cup so i think that's what the the cycle should be um
2: and it would be nice to have a little break at some point for the uh senior national team
3: correct and you know we'll have world cup qualifying like you did here but like there's no reason why there should be a gold cup right now i mean you know mls is in high season europe needs a break and there's there goes all your players. So, I mean, Bruce has to make these decisions. And like you said, Adam, it cheapens the tournament when you have everybody bringing in B and C squads because they can't feel... I mean, Mexico had a a friendly against Ghana with the team that they're going to play in the Gold Cup the night before their A-team played in the semifinals of the Confederations <laughs> Cup in Russia. So that just should never happen. Like, right. you shouldn't be having... Like, is Tab Ramos going to be, like coaching uh you know our under twenty threes right. against in friendly for the gold cup in four years from now that's that's if, insane. If, I'm it was just like saying, Mexico if,
1: was copying uh, it's like Mexico was copying uh the galaxy when they kept having to play the Carolina Railhawks in the open cup um yeah. they were like screw this like arena's like i'm not getting on that plane." you guys do deal with this whoever gets sent you guys do it i'm i am i got a arena doesn't Arena
3: on. didn't even go to mls cup or mls drafts like he would right. go to baltimore and like halfway through he's like i'm not drafting today." It There's a the like, yeah, really it was a bar across the street i really went pratt street i mean that bar really across would. the <laughs>
0: street is fun jason you and i went to that bar it's, dope. it's pretty good In bar. Baltimore.
2: <laughs> yeah i do yeah. really wish that uh uh Bruce one year when they had Donovan and Robbie Keane, he had just refused to go to MLS Cup. Yeah, that's been, been You guys got been this. below him. Uh, I, I'm just saying, though, if
0: if Major League Baseball teams can have a split squad during spring training, then surely Mexico's national team can, can have a split squad during major international tournaments.
3: But usually split squads are like 20 miles away, not 7,000 miles away. <laughs> Hey, soccer's right. a global game, Donald. One's in Lakeland, one's in Orlando. It's not one in wherever they were, Charlotte, and another one in Moscow.
2: Like, Orlando, so come on. Come on. It's got to be, it's gotta be Clearwater. Clearwater. You're saying they were not yeah.
0: having dinner at the team hotel together after the split squad <laughs> games.
3: Oh, no, they probably were. I mean, at the hotel. They were at the, probably at the the, the – the, uh, what is that? The little dorm rooms that they usually rent out. Uh, in, La- I'm, I'm thinking about the Tigers. Tigers are in Lakeland. Oh, I just (laughs) meant Mexico.
0: They they weren't gonna get the two squads together.
3: Oh no no, they weren't gonna get together. But but that's just like how you splitting up your fans. Like you know the fans were conflicted, right? Like they're like, hey, Mexico plays tomorrow. We're playing Portugal. Wait, they play tonight. They play they play Ghana tonight. (laughs) How how they doing? Why am I why am I watching this tonight? Like it sound it's like the undercard, except the undercard was the guy who's fighting in the main event.
0: And I don't have a better analogy to take us out on. Donald, thanks, thanks for coming on the show, man. Tell tell everyone where they can find you on the internet.
3: Uh, you can find me at BlazingDW. You can also obviously find me on Black and Red United and Stars and Stripes FC. And really, in real life, you can just find me at any DC United tailgate because I'm there most of them.
0: Look for the guy with the headband, the the big socks, and hopefully not my give his head, give his head. Yeah
3: it won't be your face all
0: right i appreciate that man thanks <laughs> it, it will be fine find us on twitter at filibuster dcu we all contribute at black and red find them on twitter at black and red send your emails to filibuster podcast at com. we're on itunes stitcher soundcloud google play the podcatcher of your choice and of course we're on patreon um accepting your money since 2017 mostly though tell a friend about the show that's the best way to support us and get the word out thanking donald one more time for ben and jason i'm adam and we'll talk to you real soon say goodbye jason knife guys it's
2: god gone. Yeah.